Good evening, everyone. This night reminds us in so many ways as to how deeply our need is for God and for his help. With that, why don't we pray together before we open the scriptures. Father, you are kind to hear us as we come before you with nothing in our hands, any worth or value. We pray that you will help us now by the work of your spirit, will you illumine the eyes of our hearts to see the wonders of your word and the wonders of Christ revealed. And we pray that together in his name. Amen and amen. Lady Justice is a figure who has marked the entrances to courts and tribunals for literally hundreds of years. Today, you can find her everywhere from the Central Criminal Court in London to the Shelby County Courthouse in Memphis, Tennessee. She is often given the adornments of a sword for power, a blindfold for impartiality, and most recognizably a set of scales to carefully weigh the evidence of a case. She is, at least by the best attempt of the artists, the personification of justice. Now, there are a lot of reasons, I'm sure, why we would try to personify something like justice, but one reason, I think, is because justice is something that most, if not all of us, can appreciate and even long for. Think about that for a minute. Have you ever read a news article or watched the evening news that reported a story of a terrible crime and thought to yourself, you know, I hope whoever did this is very soon brought to justice. Have you ever known someone or just observed someone who is suffering greatly at the hands of another person and just thought, you know, something is, is off here. Somebody's got to do something about this. This isn't right. I wonder if you, like the prophet Jeremiah, have ever looked into a world full of pain and injustice and asked, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Where is God in the midst of all of that injustice? I mean, will there ever be a day when wrongs will be made right? Where will I be on that day? What what might justice look like for me? These are the questions that we will be exploring together this Good Friday. So wherever you are, I would like to invite you to open the scriptures with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and tonight we will be exploring verses 21 to 26 together. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26. I'll read through it, and then we will together walk back through this passage. Romans 3 and 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This passage deals with a theme and a doctrine that the great reformer, Martin Luther, called the prince and master over all kinds of doctrines. We look this Good Friday to the doctrine of justification. Justification, God's legal declaration of sinners to be righteous. And our roadmap through this passage in Romans 3 is going to attempt to answer three very simple questions about justification. Why do we need it? What makes it possible? And how do we receive it? The first question, why do we need it? Why is this this declared legal righteousness from God so essential? And the answer comes from two sides of the same coin of righteousness. On one side of that coin is God. And God, as Paul has been arguing throughout the book of Romans to this point, is himself righteous. Paul speaks earlier of God's righteous decree, his righteous judgment, and most obviously, right here in our passage, the righteousness of God himself. And that word righteous is very closely tied to the word justice and means the character or the status of being right or just. Then we flip the coin over. That's us. And sharply contrasting the righteousness of God is the universal unrighteousness of human beings. In fact, throughout Romans 1 through 3, Paul carefully shows us that that no one is righteous. Not Gentile or Jew, not pagan or pious. No one is righteous, he says. No, not one. No one seeks for God. And of course, verse 23, all have sinned. All and fall short of God's glory. And we know that to be true as we look at the world around us and we see one injustice after another, as we observe our own lives, our own selfish ambitions, our our grabs for control and for self-preservation. Oh, we may long enough want justice for all of those people out there. But when we start looking within, when we start measuring and scaling justice by the standard of God's own righteousness, well, that presents quite the problem. Because God, in his righteousness, responds to our unrighteousness in the only way that is appropriate. He responds in judgment. God cannot and will not tolerate sin. You see, it'd be a grave inconsistency to his character, and so judgment follows, and we read in places like Romans 2 and 5, because of your hard and impenitent heart, 
you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And this, this should terrify us. This should stop us dead in our self-righteous tracks because when measured against the righteousness of God, we stand on that day of judgment with one sentence, guilty, condemned without a case to be made. This, friends, this is why we so deeply need the doctrine of justification. We need this new legal status, one of righteousness that is acceptable before a righteous God. But that begs a huge question. How exactly can a holy God as righteous as he is, possibly declare people like us to be righteous? It's our second question of the night. In other words, what is it that makes justification possible? I wonder if you might look again with me at verse 24 of our passage. In the same sense that people of every sort and every kind have sinned against God, those same kinds of people, verse 24 are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. This is it. This is the answer. This is what makes justification possible. And we can make a couple of glorious observations here just out of these couple of verses. First, we have the grace of God. We are justified We are declared righteous by an unmeritable gift of God's grace. We can't earn it. There's no kind of internal virtue that qualifies us for it. The fount of our justification is the pure grace of God. The other thing that makes justification possible is The atoning death of Jesus. Again, from verse 24, justification comes by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Now, the reference to the death of Jesus, especially on a night like Good Friday, might be straightforward enough for many of us. But that word propitiation isn't one that I I gather has come up too often in your FaceTime or Zoom meetings this week. So what's going on? What's that all about? Well, propitiation is a word that is just bubbling. It's just bursting with imagery and meaning. It takes us back to the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, the lid over which blood was sprinkled to atone for the sins of the people. And the essence of the word means to appease the wrath of God against sin. The wrath that we heard from Romans 2 is being stored up for sinners on the day of judgment. And I realize that that can be hard to imagine in a day when many would prefer an exclusive picture of God as, say, a gentle, loving father which, of course, 
He is. But God's love is never expressed to the exclusion of his justice. Both things are true and always true. And this is where the brilliance of the cross comes in because it's, it's in the cross of Jesus that we see both of these attributes of God held together. The death of the perfect sinless Christ displays God's justice in the appeasement of his wrath against sin and it displays God's love and that he put his son forward as a way of salvation and justification for sinners. Do you see? This is what makes justification possible. This is the only ground. This is the reason that God can justly declare unjust sinners to be righteous. The sentence is changed because of the work of Jesus. This means so many things for us. This means that our feeble attempts to justify our own lives are null and void. Our attempt to justify our existence to ourselves, to God, this means that our meticulous religious practices will not justify you. This means that your social status or your Facebook friend list or your click on Instagram will not justify you. This means that the success or the happiness of your children cannot bring justification to your life. Only Christ and his work are sufficient ground for your justification. And that's good news on the other side because this also means, and don't miss this, that, that Jesus' atoning work on the cross is sufficient for all of your sins. If you've just tuned in, if you've stumbled upon us this evening scrolling through your Facebook feed or looking at YouTube Live and you've never heard this gospel before, you might hear this and say, yeah, Chris, I, I get it, but you don't know me. You don't know, you don't know what I've done. And I want to encourage you that Jesus really does supply the active righteousness and the sufficient payment for all of your sins, yes, even yours. So, justification. We know we need it. We now know by God's grace through the work of Jesus it's possible, but we've yet to talk about how we can receive it. How can we receive this justification? Well, the answer, according to Romans 3, is faith. It's just all over the passage. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith for all who believe. Verse 25, to be received by faith. Verse 26, so that God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Because faith, you see, is, is the expression of a need. Our deep need for salvation and a new legal status of righteousness. Faith is an active trust. Not in ourselves, but in an object outside of ourselves, namely the person of Jesus Christ and his atoning work. And faith unites us to Jesus, a union wherein his righteousness is imputed or credited to us. And in answering this final question, we, 
really round out the full essence of this passage, that that God the just justifies sinners by the work of Christ and through faith in Christ. Or perhaps more simply, justification is declared where faith in Jesus is displayed. Justification is declared where faith in Jesus is displayed. And it's from this new justified status that we can sing with joy and confidence. Things like when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and to pardon me. Justification is declared where faith in Jesus is displayed. I realize it might surprise some of you that know me, but I don't make a habit of spending a lot of time in court. But there was this one time, about 18 months ago, at the adoption hearing of our youngest son. Now, before adoption day, we absolutely thought of and loved and cared for our little guy as though he were our very own. But all of our affection and all of our sentiment could not do, at least legally, what happened on adoption day. Because on that day, a judge bestowed with all of the appropriate legal authority issued a declaration this declaration that I hold in my hand right now. And it says, final decree of adoption. The court finds that all consents have been filed, that a report of the assessor is approved, and the minor is an adopted person. You see, there are some things, some realities that must come into existence by a legal decree was true of our adoption, it's true of your justification. And justification is declared where faith in Jesus is displayed. A final encouragement for you, dear friends, on this Good Friday, and it's an encouragement that looks into the future. Because justification is even more than a condition of the present. It's also a deep confidence for the future. Later on in this same letter, the Apostle Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In context, this well-known passage in Romans 8 is set in the midst of deep suffering and a, a deep longing for a day of final and complete salvation. And I imagine, like me, a lot of you have been experiencing that similar longing amidst this COVID-19 pandemic. But let me tell you something. COVID-19 cannot touch your justification. 
and it will not stop your glorification because God Almighty finishes what he starts and what God starts he finishes and if you have been justified according to Romans 8 you will be glorified. And justification, remember, is declared where faith in Jesus is displayed. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Salvation is not something that we earn or attain, that left on our own, we stand only condemned before you. I pray that you would increase the weightiness of that on a night like tonight, that you would deepen our grief for our sin, and that you would also help us to remember the good news of the gospel, the hope that you loved us so much that you sent your only son, you put him forward as a propitiation, that his work is sufficient to appease all of your just wrath against our sin, and that in him we are justified. May we leave this evening rejoicing because of him and trusting him for our justification and all that we need. We pray in his name. Amen.